Hi, it's Wendy Friesen. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about depression because I've been seeing a lot of articles that are on how to prevent um, relapse of depression. And since the winter's coming on here, at least in this um, northern hemisphere, there's a lot of talk about what's going to happen with the winter blues. You know, and I think all these articles you see and all the the talk about depression happening sometimes makes you have the expectation that you're going to get depressed. So when we talk about winter blues, if your mind starts to focus on that, then you look for little clues and things in your behavior and ways that you feel to check in and find out if you're actually feeling depressed. So then this uses your brain to activate the areas of your brain that support this behavior, these feelings or emotions. So, you know, if you go through your day and all day long, you feel like, oh, wow, you know, maybe I'm getting depressed. I, I kind of slept too long or I took a nap. Or I don't really feel like doing anything today. Oh, I must have the winter blues. I'm going to get depressed this winter. The more you expect it to happen, the more likely it is that it's going to happen. Make sense? And of course, you know, being a brain expert and using hypnosis, my main focus of helping anyone to overcome a problem is that they start focusing on and energizing the thoughts that support the way they do want to feel. Because if you just focus on the way you don't want to feel, you're going to get that as well. It doesn't really matter which thing you focus on. Your brain doesn't care. It's just going to grow more neural networks and more pathways to find the feelings and the emotions and the actions that support that. Make sense so far? Okay. Well, you know, one of the things to remember with depression is the pharmaceutical companies are gearing up to put out as much propaganda as they can to get you to be on medication. That's their job. That's how they make their billions of dollars. (laughs) But you've got to do your own research and understand what the benefits and the dangers are of antidepressant medication. There's evidence and they have... They've proven this over and over. It keeps coming out on uh, news reports. There's evidence that antidepressants have absolutely no better effect than placebos. So you know that placebos are just a sugar pill, right? And when they do these studies, they give some people the real drug and they give other people the placebo that has no effect, but they don't tell them what they're getting. So they found over and over and over again, that antidepressants have no better effect than taking a placebo. So your expectation that you're going to get better and you're going to come out out of the depression is determined by what you believe that you're taking in that pill. So this is a huge problem for the pharmaceutical companies. They've got to make sure that you um, buy their medications and that you stay on them because, oh my gosh, some doctors, the ones they call the high prescribers, they will give you antidepressants for almost any problem you have. I went to a doctor a few years ago because I had had headaches that were consistent and just weren't going away and I couldn't seem to get them to go away on my own. Um, you know, and you just want to find out if something's going on in there. <laughs> and without wanting to do any tests, without, you know, ordering a brain scan or anything, he said, well, I've got a tricyclic antidepressant that has three different antidepressants in it. And this is, this is what you need. You got to take this. Before he even did anything, he wanted to prescribe me antidepressants. And this happens for so many people. And because we believe our doctors and we want to put faith in them, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting faith in your doctor. In some cases, we go ahead and we take the prescription. Now, 
The side effects are phenomenal. Many of you know what the side effects are of antidepressants, including the increased risk of suicide. And uh, boy, that doesn't seem like a risk that is really worth it because you're not going to know until you're a week or two into it. And, you know, and people have killed themselves because they're taking antidepressants. I think that might be truly an irony. There are actually very few true ironies, but that might be one of them. So now I was reading an article on preventing relapse of depression. And this is what got me thinking about um, recording this for you. It particularly talked about to continue taking your medication for seven to nine months after you feel better. Well, the antidepressants certainly do change your brain, but it may not be for the better. And if the antidepressants are not actually having any effect in making you feel better, but they're just giving you the side effects, I'm not sure that continuing your medication for that long is actually helpful. Hmm. Well, here's some other tips I've read on preventing depression or preventing relapse. Oh, the other thing on the, on the article on depression relapse, it is also creating expectation that you're going to relapse. And I know if you're listening to this, you understand how important it is to have an expectation of the outcome that you do want. When you read this article and you read all these tips and it pretty much sets it in your brain that you're going to relapse, what happens is you're, you know, every day your brain starts looking for little clues again that tell you that you may be relapsing. So what I want to do is I want you to have just, I mean, an absolutely solid belief that yes, life is full of ups and downs. And you're going to have times in your life where you have highs, times where you have lows, times where you feel sad and hopeless, and then you're going to come out of it and you're going to feel really good and you're going to feel fantastic and on top of the world and be productive. Life is like that. When you feel those lows and you feel sadness or you're feeling the effect of something that happened in your life, that's okay. That's normal. It doesn't mean that you're going into a deep, dark depression and it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to pull out. It doesn't mean you're relapsing. It means you're living life. And once you accept that and you understand that, ah, there's highs and lows. And when you're in those lows, that there's things you do to help you to, you know, come back out and experience the highs. And the reason that you have the highs and you know what joy is like and excitement and you feel that euphoria Maybe it's because you've gone through some of those lows. Okay, so depression relapse. Um, it says you need to manage your stress. Don't take on too much. <laughs> now, this is easy to say if you're not depressed. Managing your stress is hard to do if you are depressed. And it says don't take on too much. And you know, a lot of people are depressed because they take on too much. They don't know how to say no. So this is nice tip, but... Well, what do you do about that? How do you do that? Another thing is to exercise regularly. People who are depressed are not exercising. They don't want to exercise. They have no desire to exercise. Telling someone to exercise is good and it's great advice, but getting someone who's depressed to exercise is like a beating your head against the wall. It uh, doesn't feel too good and doesn't produce anything that has any positive effect. So yeah, get exercise, but uh, it's tough to motivate yourself to do that. Um, get therapy. So a lot of people who are depressed are very broke. They have right now, especially in our economy, you know, with the job reports and all the bad news and the houses and oh boy, um, says to get therapy, which is tough because therapy is very expensive. And if you're already broke, the chances of you getting therapy 
are very slim. Uh, next thing is take care of your health. And yes, it's true. You know, what you eat and what you drink has a huge effect on your state of mind. If you're getting the right nutrition for your brain and you're getting the omega-3s and on and on. Again, when you're depressed, it is hard to get yourself to be motivated to want to take care of yourself. It says put off big decisions. Ah. <laughs> well, it could be that the big decisions are the ones that put you in that depression in the first place. Yeah. And you know, putting it off, uh, I, I can understand the reasoning behind that, but putting it off means that it's always looming this big decision, which is what the hell am I going to do? You know, my life's falling apart or I need to get a divorce or should I stay married or should I quit my job that's causing all this stress and anxiety, but there's no other jobs out there. Or, you know, should I let my house foreclose or whatever the big decision is putting off big decisions creates this enormous black cloud that just follows you around and is just right there pushing you down constantly. You've got to do something and get these decisions handled and get them to be in the past. Another thing says, stop blaming yourself. This one also says to see a therapist. So, um, yeah, self-blame and, you know, um, being so hard on ourselves for all the mistakes that we've made in our life. You know, that is so true. You do need to stop blaming yourself. So how do you do that? Um, it's easy to, for someone to tell you, stop blaming yourself, but here's what you do is you, you've got to go in and do the work on forgiveness and you've got to release the past and let go of all the things that keep triggering that blame and that anger. And all of these things, of course, I'm going, this is what I'm getting to. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to something really important here, but all of these things you can help by using hypnosis and you can do it for free. It doesn't have to cost you anything to use the techniques to let go of the past, to motivate yourself, to exercise, to see what the future is like after you've made a big decision, even if it's a painful decision to keep focusing on what the relief is and what the good part of it is. Okay. So then they also say, don't stop treatment. And And that's a tough one as well, because when you're in treatment, if it's therapy or um, support groups or whatever it is, you're you're keeping that identity of someone who's broken and that you're not getting fixed and that you've got to continue to hash out all the bad stuff in your life and you continue to talk about it and energize it. There's some different theories on that. Personally, my thought is uh, there are other ways to get your life back and get yourself feeling good besides wallowing in a support group, surrounding yourself with people who are also miserable, um, or talking about all the negative things in your life. Okay. Uh, alcohol and drugs quit doing them if you don't want to be depressed. Right. And (laughs) well, for some people it's like, well, it's the only thing that makes me feel better to get rid of the stress. And that's uh, yeah, it's a problem. What you need to do is find a program, which I have an excellent one that helps you get your alcohol and drugs out of your life and still feel good and change some of the things that are happening internally and change the struggle and the conflicts that we're creating the need for the alcohol and drugs. Another one of the tips is to live in gratitude and to find gratitude. And I remember a time probably, oh, 10 or 12 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, but I was so depressed and I wasn't getting out of bed and I, and I had to take care of my two very young kids. And my life was just pretty dark, you know, I, I think I showered occasionally, <laughs> which is a good thing, but I know I laid down a lot and it was horrible. And one of the things that I had heard was to write a gratitude journal and write down five things you were grateful for before you went to bed at night. So I decided to try that. 
And um, I couldn't even think of three. It was horrible. I I had like nothing that I could figure out that I was grateful for because I was on the verge of being evicted from my rental house. My car was over 10 years old and it was just breaking down all the time. I couldn't get welfare because my old car was worth over $1,000 because it was worth like, worth like $1,200. So I'm supposed to sell that car and have no car and then I could get welfare. And um, It was probably actually 13 or 14 years ago. That was a while. could think of a thing that I was grateful for. So um, I was laying in bed. I remember this moment very well. And I did write down that I was grateful for my children because they were healthy and they were cool and they were a lot of fun. Um, But of course, they were also, you know, part of the source of the depression as well because feeling helpless to be able to provide for them. Uh, So I wrote that down. And then I was laying in bed and the full moon was streaming in through the window, streaming light, and it was landing right on my pillow, on my head. And I thought, I'm grateful that the beautiful moon is shining and flowing in through my window and just surrounding me with light. Those are the only things I could find that I was grateful for. And I went to bed, you know, and it was something, um, it was something that shifted that I could find one thing. And then the next night when I wrote them down, I found more things that I was grateful for. And it it really did help. The gratitude journal was quite amazing. Now, why did it help? Because right before you go to bed at night, is when your brain is going to expand on whatever it is you were last thinking on and focusing on. And if you're focusing on the things that are not working in your life and that are really sad and depressing, your brain is going to expand, you know, physically. It's going to expand the neurons and the networks and connect them all up of the things that you don't like. But writing down those few things I was grateful for, it started to shift my brain a little bit, and it really did help. Another tip is uh, to volunteer. And they've proven that volunteering has an enormous effect on your mood and on your physical well-being and even on your immune system. They've done tests to show that volunteering changes the blood levels of your immune factors. So why does volunteering help? Someone who's depressed doesn't feel very needed or wanted. You know, they feel kind of useless. And especially if you don't have kids to take care of, um, you feel like, you know, well, who wants me and needs me? When you volunteer, you have to show up and people are expecting you and they're counting on you. And that's a huge thing to do to start to lift out of your depression. Plus, yeah, it gives you something cool to do as well. Like you could volunteer at the Humane Society and, oh my gosh, if you love animals, you get to walk the dogs and play with the cats and and watch these people come in and get to have new pets in their life. And and, and you're really needed and you're really doing something that is really important and it makes you feel like maybe you really do matter. So volunteering can be huge and it's easy to find places to volunteer. Just Google it, oh my gosh, and you will find an enormous amount of opportunities to volunteer. Children's hospitals, that's a great opportunity to volunteer. If you go and work in the children's hospitals, you're going to be doing something that is so valuable and you're going to realize that, you know, your life isn't that bad. There are a lot worse things that happen in life and there's a lot bigger struggles and you put your life in perspective that you say, you know, huh, maybe I am just having a stupid pity party for myself and maybe there are bigger things and more important things that I could be doing than laying on the couch watching soap operas and Maury Povich (laughs) (laughs) reruns of uh, Andy Griffith. I don't know what you watch, but there are more important things I could be doing to help others. Okay. Oh, here's an interesting thing from the pharmaceutical companies. One of the uh, 
reports that I was reading was that the difficulty that the pharmaceutical companies have in testing depression medication is that the, you know, the placebo group is having the same results as the actual medication group. So what they had to do was throw out the placebo group of people. Then they took people and tested them to see how susceptible they were to placebo. Make sense? So they intentionally found people who were not very susceptible to placebo. The purpose in this was that they wanted them to get worse results because those people had less, the, the expectation had less effect on them. And then they could compare those people with the regular group of people that had not been screened for placebo expectation at all, that those people that took the real medication. So now they created a difference in the placebo group and the real medication group by screening for people who are not susceptible to placebo. Isn't that something? All that information's out there. You won't hear about it on the TV or the radio, especially not on TV or mostly not in newspapers because the pharmaceutical companies just own the airwaves for TV and newspaper advertising and magazines. So you're not going to read that. You're going to read the articles that say you got to take your medication and you need to stay on it for um, seven to nine months after you feel better and so on and so forth. Okay, here's some more. Um, Cut down on sugar. Carbohydrates temporarily boost serotonin levels, so it's only natural that when your serotonin levels are down, you crave sugary foods. However, the payoff just isn't there. You crash, then you crave more sugar. Ups and downs. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Understanding your emotional cycle. This is actually a good tip, and this is one that I've talked about quite a bit. You have moods. Everybody does. <laughs> you have ups and downs in your life. You have things that are challenging and difficult, and you have times where things are going really well. When you're in a cycle of feeling down, and again, most people go through these ups and downs fairly regularly. When you're in that down cycle, one thing to do is to recognize that this is just simply something that happens in life. It's okay for me to spend a day or two or you know, just a small period of time feeling this. This is what I've got to feel. If you allow yourself to go into that feeling and really understand it instead of fighting it, to go ahead and feel whatever feelings are there, you're going to, um, you're going to just acknowledge the reality of what you're feeling. Now, you know, I'm a, certainly a, a big proponent of looking at what the conflict is and what's causing it. So if you let yourself feel it instead of being in denial and saying, okay, I can, I can power through this. I don't have to feel this. I can overcome it. Instead, if you let yourself actually feel it and let yourself kind of get down inside of it, uh, you can look at what the conflict is. What's creating this conflict? Is there a positive reason for me shutting down? Is there something that's just churning inside of me that's pulling me down? And then you can talk to it and have a conversation with it. And you can find out what that part of you really needs that's pulling you down. And you can do that by recognizing that feelings there, that that feeling is there and going into it. So, um, the other thing that I've always liked when I'm feeling that down cycle is I remind myself that this feeling is not going to last forever. Now, when you're in it, 
it often is impossible to say, I'm ever going to feel better. Doesn't it feel like you're always going to feel bad when you're in that, you know, in that low, it's like, oh my God, this is never going to change. I'm always going to feel like this, but it's not true. You are going to pull out of it and telling yourself that I feel this way now and it's okay to feel this way. And tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to feel different and I'm going to feel a little bit better. This is going to shift. And you continue to create that expectation that you are going to feel better. And that really helps. Uh, here's one, a tip that says, reflect on past success. In the wake of a colossal failure, it's easy to forget everything you've ever done right. <laughs> That's for sure. Take a few minutes to remember your past accomplishments and build yourself up. What made you successful before? What are your strengths? Frequently, this will build self-confidence and help you figure out what went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I actually kind of like that one. So now that makes me, um, think about focusing on the future and what you want it to be. For me, during that same period of time where I said I had nothing to be grateful for a long time ago, uh, one of the things I started doing was imagining myself six months in the future. And I take myself into that future. And during that time, I would experience myself having a success of some sort, that something had shifted and something had changed, even though I didn't know how it was going to happen, that I had come out of it. I had solved some major problems. Like one of the things like about, oh boy, probably 12 or 14 years ago is I didn't file my taxes for a few years and that's like freaking scary stuff. So my six months in the future uh, was that I had finished my taxes and I totally cleaned all that up and that sense of relief that was amazing. So in addition to reflecting on past success, reflect on your future success. Go into that time in the future where you have fixed things, where things have turned out really good and you're back on track. It may be one month in the future. It may be one week in the future. You don't have to go six months, but my situation was so overwhelming that I was like, Ooh, it's going to take a long time. All right. Uh, spend time with positive people. Yes. This is where my, uh, non love of support groups comes in. I suppose support groups for some people are really helpful, but I think they build an identity with those kind of people and you create bonds with those kind of people and the bonds may not be healthy because if you get better, now you're not one of them. If you change your attitude and you start being really chipper and positive, you no longer belong in those support groups. You're going to be rejected. So you've got to find a way to spend your time with positive people and find the groups of people who are doing the things that you want to do. So for me, um, you know, I joined the Chamber of Commerce recently. So this is just an idea for you. And there's lots of other ways to accomplish this. But when I go there, I feel really positive. These are people who want to do business. They're excited about business. There's on Twitter, there's all kinds of local ways to find out what's going on. And there's a group of women that meet on Tuesday mornings. They're called Startup Women. And they meet in a coffee shop. It's totally free, but they're all positive and they're full of ideas. And they're thinking about what they're going to create. My goodness, what a what an incredibly positive environment to be in. Uh, and you go to things and events. And like I say, there are tons of free ones. You just got to be really smart about how to find them. Go to these events where you're surrounding yourself with positive people. So, yeah. So that one is really good and really important. Uh, that one will shift your, that'll shift your focus pretty quick. Break your routine is another tip. Hmm. Going through the same routine day after day can be monotonous and depressing, it says. It often leads to getting caught in a rut. You know, that is really so true. There's a piece of research that I had talked about um, a while back that was how they 
they look at depression and your brain really does get in a rut. It gets just in this pattern that it can't break out of. That's very, very difficult to break out of. So now what I want to do is talk about what it takes from my perspective to get yourself out of depression or to not go into a depression, um, to, to be able to have the highs and lows in life and the excitement and the disappointment, but to really get yourself out of a difficult depression. So, you know, there are things in your past that have happened and they have emotions attached to them. These memories are stored in your brain and they could be memories that are stored with intense emotions. For instance, something you've had that's a trauma, um, disappointments, failures, embarrassment, whatever they are, they're stored with intense emotions. These emotions can be locked in so you don't have access to this memory very well. It just, it continues to get triggered and floods you with the emotional state of failure, disappointment, or sadness, or hopelessness. And this creates a chemical state that floods your body, which actually then affects your cells and it goes into the receptor sites in your cells, which creates all kinds of um, havoc and changes and it continues to get you in that rut of depression. So to access these memories, you have to go into them and you have to follow the emotion and go into the emotion of the memory and really find out what's happening in that memory. Now, you know, some of this is going to require that you do this with a therapist, but one of the ways that I've found that is a very simple and very effective way to do it on your own is with timeline therapy. You may have heard of this. It's something that Tad James created and wrote a book about, and a lot of therapists, hypnotherapists use it. You go, you create this imaginary timeline of your past, And on this timeline, you imagine that all the memories and all the feelings and all the experiences you've ever had are arranged chronologically on this timeline. So now you close your eyes, you go into trance, and you imagine floating over this timeline of your past. As you float over that timeline, you notice periods of time in your life at different ages and different moments that are happening. And sometimes on the timeline, it will represent difficult experiences in your life with different colors, or they might be marked in a certain way, or they might be black holes. Or like for one of my clients, she had little photo boxes in her timeline. They had little photos of all these events. So you might have um, a winding timeline path, or it might be straight, or it might be like a beam of light. However it shows up is just fine. But what you do is like you have a bad feeling and you ask your mind to float over this timeline of your past and just float along it until it finds the moment in time that has to do with this bad feeling you're having now. And then you float down into it and you find out what it is and you kind of experience it in a little more objective way. Um, so that you don't have to go into all the intensity and all the emotion. You experience it more of an, um, an observer. Now, one of the things in the technique is to take this piece of your life and that piece of the memory and pull it out of the timeline off to the side. And this is a technique I do on my timeline CDs. It's kind of cool. And then you do something to change it, and you pull the emotion out of it. You learn the lesson that's positive. You keep the memory. You're not getting rid of the memory. You're keeping it there, but you're changing the way that your brain stores the memory. So you've released the negative emotion that was the charge that was causing you to, you know, get triggered and feel depressed from it. But you're also observing it in a way that says, okay, what is it 
that you're going to learn from this memory that's the most valuable thing? What is it that is something so important that you're not willing to give up at all and you say, well, I'm never going to let anybody um, manipulate me like that again or I'm never going to put myself in that position to experience that or something. So you change the lesson and you make it into something positive, something that gives you some power. Then you put the memory back in the timeline and you create this glow and this light in it. And, and, and what happens in your mind, even though this timeline is simply a metaphor to represent how we hold our memories in our past, what happens in your brain is truly phenomenal. Where your brain before had a memory that was locked in with emotion that flooded your body with no way to access it or change it. Now, when you think about that event consciously or even unconsciously, it it accesses the positive lesson. It accesses the representation that this memory is filled with light and that there's something really valuable that you learned. And it doesn't access the negative emotion, so it doesn't release the chemical state that affects your body and makes you depressed. Make sense? So that's what happens with that past timeline. And here's what I think. When you have all these events of your past, you are working really hard to like push them down, to overcome them. You're using all of your energy to just get them to stay in the past or try to keep them pushed down a little bit. And then you try to get excitement or or you try to get some energy for a project you're working on, or you try to go make new friends, or you, you are going to you know, go do whatever you do. <laughs> but here's these things in the past that are still coming up, and they're getting triggered, and they're bombarding you, and that's causing your brain to flood your body with chemicals, and your receptor sites are just going, woo, it's a stress party. And you don't know why you can't overcome it, even though you've read a thousand tips on overcoming depression. Well, I think that using this timeline work of the past, what you do is you are eliminating, releasing, and resolving that negative emotion that was associated with that memory, therefore completely lifting the, the ability to have energy or lifting the negativity, but restoring your ability to have energy. So now you think about, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to get this project done. I'm going to make this thing happen. Instead of that thought triggering the memory of the past and all the negative emotions, that thought triggers that beautiful glowing area of your timeline of your past. And you still have the energy to do it because you, you triggered a belief in there that says, huh, no one's ever going to manipulate me like that again. I am going to be strong. And I'm like superpower. Make sense? So people I've done this past timeline work with have an immense amount of energy. They just are, they feel on top of the world because they're not pushing down their past and holding it back and trying to deny it, overcome it. Makes sense. Okay. So the next part is the future timeline. And if you do a future timeline and you implant these future memories into this timeline and you do it right, you do it with emotion and visuals and sensations and all of the things that, um, that are going to be part of this, these future accomplishments now your brain starts actually growing these neural networks that support all the feelings, the visions, the pride, and just everything that there is in accomplishing these things. Even if there's something really little, you plant them in there and it makes your brain start growing the pathways that have all the things that support this happening in your future. 
Make sense? Yeah. So now when you think about accomplishing something, going out and working on some project or making new friends or joining a new group, your brain is already wired up. The good feelings you have as a result of doing that, and it accesses that. Where before you did that, there was nowhere for your brain to go except to the past failures and disappointments and the reasons why it won't work and all of the experiences you've had that support failing at that. You know, you're going to go out and you're going to make new friends. You're going to go join some social group to have some fun. Well, normally your brain would say, yeah, I'm nervous. I don't fit in and nobody will like me anyway. And you know, the last time I went and did this thing, I embarrassed myself. And, um, you know, my last friendship, my friend betrayed me and, oh boy. Okay. So that's what comes up when you think about making new friends. But now we've released this past timeline issue or, or several of them. And we've restored some of the integrity and the strength from those memories. And now you think about going and making new friends and you have this future piece in your timeline. That's you finding friends that really, truly are friends and you're smarter now and you know how to make better friendships and you know how to do things that are more fulfilling. Um, and so your brain reaches for that. So it makes sense. Ah, I hope so. This is so important. And this is what will get you out of your depression is these two things. And, you know, I do have a program called Timeline Journey, and it takes you through this entire past timeline experience, helps you resolve all these old memories and feelings. And it, um, it also oh, it changes the orientation of your timeline. Some people, their timeline is like, it's not behind them. It's off to the side kind of where they can see it. And there's this huge shift that happens when people change the orientation of their timeline. So it does that and it takes you into your future timeline and sets in place all of these future events. It's, it's a miraculous program. It really is. So yeah, if you want to get that, um, just check it out. Go search for Timeline Journey and Wendy Friesen. And if you're reading my newsletter as a result of this podcast, you probably have some kind of a super special offer that you're getting on that. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and listening to the tips on depression and how to beat depression and why some of those tips are going to fall on deaf ears and have absolutely no effect and why some of them might just work and might help. So I hope that as a result of this, you're going to think a little differently and do things a little differently and start seeing the light and expect that all winter long, you're going to do fun things that make you happy and you're going to build relationships that really matter. And you're going to make a great life, even if it's winter or summer or fall or spring. <laughs> I'm Wendy Friesen. Thank you for listening. It's been really fabulous to be a part of your life and to be able to help you and inspire you. Thank you for being here. I love you.